Good morning, pilgrims. That idea of wandering in, in a direction on a mission in life and living through a journey. And uh, I, I know you're humans, and I know some of you well enough of what's going on, and the rest of you I don't know what's going on, but I know you're humans, so I know everybody here's got burdens. Everybody here's got challenges and things that are troubling, whether it's relationships or work or economy or friends. So I come to you as a pilgrim that's living on purpose, living on a purpose, with a purpose that gives you power and peace and to remind you that as your pastor, one of your pastors, bringing you the word of God about love. So I got a question to start with. If you knew that in just a couple of days, your life was coming to an end on earth, you're going to heaven, but your family was gathered around and your closest friends, and you had your wits about you enough to tell them what you wanted them to know the most, or think the most, or do the most, what would be one big thing? One big thing that you would make sure you told them. Now, you may have five. But pick one, and I'm, I want to interact with you for a minute, so be brave. Let me see your hand, and then say it. Ron? Remember, Jesus loves you. Remember that Jesus loves you. Great. Okay. Who else had one? I'm going to take two or three, I hope. Okay, Carla? Jesus wants you in heaven with him. Angela? Regardless of anything that's happened between us in the past, I forgive you, and Jesus loves you and forgives you. Oh, that's a beautiful thing to leave behind. Anybody else? Do you know what Jesus said the night before? John 13? He, he, he said everything you said, but then he said, love each other. And then he said, this is a new command it erases all of your worries about all of the Jewish laws, even the Ten Commandments. I give you one new commandment. It's real simple. It's speaking straight to your soul. It's about, it, it is everything about life. It's the biggest idea. Love one another. Doesn't that just kind of sweep away the, the distractions? Love each other. It does. It's intended to. And if, if when I say it sweeps away the distractions, if it isn't for you, you got to listen. This is, this is God's word for you and your heart today. If you're arguing inside of your heart, oh no, it's much more complicated than that. Listen up. Because it's not. <laughs> you, you, you were born with people that probably loved you and coddled you and you thought life was going to be a walk in the park and at different places you've discovered that it really isn't. Maybe you worked, some of you, worked toward retirement thinking that's when we walked through the park and boy, what happened? <laughs> the problems we have with our health and the losses that we endure of others, right? Life's not a walk in the park. It's a journey. It's a war. It's, the Bible calls life the great tribulation. And Jesus knew that. He's inspired the whole Bible, and he's about to leave, and he says to his disciples, this is your purpose. Love one another. It's the purpose with which he lived his life, loving the Father and loving his disciples. He had just washed their feet when he said that. 
And he said, love one another. It's the great commandment. So his apostle, the apostle Paul, writes a letter to a church. He's their, their, their apostle. They have a pastor now, but he's their pastor's pastor. He's, he's the, the, the big voice in their life. He brought the gospel to most of them for the first time. And he writes a letter to them called the letter to the Ephesians. And, in, and, and he didn't number chapters. Somebody else numbered them later. So in these verses that go between chapter 4 and 5, Paul has a heart-to-heart statement to them. It's not the only place in the letter he says this, but it's a very important moment in the letter. This is a father, a pastor, with a father and pastor's heart talking to God's people, and he says, this is the big idea. Walk in love. And, and he says toward one another, as he's talking to the whole congregation of believers as a group, as a community. So your sp- first application is going to be to your fellow Christians, but then the second would be your family and everybody else, right? So I'll read it to you, okay? This is the, this is the whole section for our, our meditation and the main thoughts in yellow on the screen. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Think of this. He's not there. He knows they have problems. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. As dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It's in the spring of the year that we meditate on the sufferings of Christ more. We have extra services, and during Holy Week, we have two extra services, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday. It was Maundy Thursday when when Jesus said, love one another. But when we think about that spring of the year when we're focusing on Jesus, we're we're mostly focusing on Jesus loved us, right? He did it for us. Our consciences are cleansed by grace. We haven't loved each other. We won't completely love each other the way we should, but we are forgiven and we're okay and we're heaven bound all by grace, nothing depending on us. But at the very same time, what he was doing that night was also giving us the meaning of our personal life and the purpose in every circumstance, in every relationship, in every setting. Whether, whether it's at work or family or church or driving or at a football game, it doesn't matter where you are, every circumstance. Whether it is a relationship with a, 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 an angry adult child or a relationship with a coworker or a relationship with a police officer, it's still the same thing. It's the purpose in life. Whether it's in good times in your life or in very difficult times. So people, places, times, walk in the way of love. That's the big idea. Love one another. So I want you to say it. Walk in the way of love. Okay, so Wednesday, somebody says to you, what was your sermon about at church? I know that doesn't happen very often, but you say, walk in the way of love. Now think about what that picture is. It is meant to be a picture. They didn't have cars back then. They had chariots, but most people walked or rode a donkey, and they had paths. The Roman Empire had made paths, sometimes with stones, and, and it was the, the, you know, a big breakthrough to have some kind of pavement, right? Walk in the way that's laid out for you called the way of love. It is a, it is a set 
path set down by Jesus Christ. It's a pavement. It's a way that you walk. It's a purpose. And when you're in the way of love, you're going to be more peaceful and more powerful and more, you're going to be more at rest and you're going to be more understanding of what life is about. Ever since we fell into sin as humanity and we thought the tree was good for fruit and able to make you wise, we thought we have to figure out what's going on before we know what to do. We actually don't. You don't have to figure out what everybody's up to or what they're saying or what they're about or how this is going to turn out. You know from Jesus your goal is to love everyone in every setting and that's your purpose. Even if it's a complete surprise that your life seems to be coming apart at the seams and there's a few enemies making it happen. You're supposed to be walking in the way of love. Even if somebody, you know that book, Who Moved My Cheese? Somebody moves your cheese and upsets your ordered life. Walk in the way of love. Even if you come to church and you think you're going to get nothing but warm fuzzies and somebody in the hallway gives you the creeps. They say something or do something. Walk in the way of love. You wake up one morning in a really good mood and someone in your family says something that just knocks your feet, right? Walk in the way of love, right? You're just doing your job. You're at the counter and some irate customer takes it all out on you. Walk in the way of love. See what I mean? Walk in the way of love. It's clear. And it's cognitively easy to get. And it's actually, when you're listening to it and you're hearing it, it's like, that gives me strength. That fills me up. But the second life happens, it gets you distracted. So it's kind of like you're on the pavement, right? And you're driving down the walk in the way of love, and there's a billboard that says, exit here to get, make sure you take care of number one. (laughs) We want to exit, right? We're in the middle of a family stress, and we say, well, When have you done this for me? Oh, we just exited off the way of love, right? Or you're driving down the road. This is the biggest cause of accidents now. It's distractive driving through our cell phones, right? And and you're driving, and it's a little bit maybe at dusk, and your phone's face up, and it lights up. So there's a notice from some social media, right? Might be a text, right? Stay in the way of love. Don't be distracted. It's like that in life, too, though that you get these distractions from the way of love, and they, they make you deviate off of that. And before you know, I am surprised how often Christians fall into being catty, gossips, cutting, hateful, unforgiving, and not only that, I'm surprised at how much I do that as well. And that's why this Word of God Come screaming down the highway. Walk in the way of love. And sweeps away all that static and that distraction. That's what Paul's saying. You know, the, the congregation in Ephesus really, most letters Paul wrote were to churches that had big troubles. Well, you can't find any big troubles in this letter. During this time in Ephesus, they didn't have big troubles. They did later because the Romans persecuted John, who was in Ephesus, and put him out on the island of Patmos, and they were killing Christians, and it was really bad. But right now, during this letter time, They didn't. So right in the middle of that, he says what? Walk in the way of love. And you left your problems to come into the house of God 
and you tried to bring them in here with you and they're sitting in the pew screaming in your ear and I want you to stop being distracted and just listen to what God's saying to your soul. Walk in the way of love. And you say, yeah, but when I get off into that pity party and it's about me and, and it's about what others are not doing for me or what I want them to do for me or whatever, when I get involved in that, it is so hard to get back. I just am so hurt. It hurts so deeply. Well, the passage tells you how to get back. Jesus paved the path and he's standing up on the road. And it's through a person. So go to the next slide, Connor. I forgot that one a long time ago. It was my bad. So just walk in the way of love back there in the booth. So that was a joke. Okay, so look at the passage. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ. There it is. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. And then at the last, do the, walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Here's the deal. Your biggest mistake will always be taking your eyes off Jesus and focusing them on your distractions. So if that's your biggest mistake, then what's the way back? With that gracious Savior who says, I love you and I'm not going to keep telling you you messed up by taking your eyes off of me. Just put your eyes back on Jesus. You study his life devotionally. You can do that in a moment and you can do that for a week. But you study his life. The problem is, and you've heard me say this before, but it bears repeating What we do is our problems in our life that are ours, they make us and our problems feel really big. And we got an itty bitty Jesus, a little midget running around our problems. What we need is a really big Jesus and itty bitty problems running around Jesus. And the way that happens without your circumstances changing at all is that you focus on Christ. I'm not feeling it, Jesus. I want to watch you. I want you again. Now, you talk about problems. His whole family rejecting him, calling him crazy. Enemies trying to put him to death, and they ultimately did. And the night there before he put, they put him to death, he's talking about walking in the way of love and loving one another. This Jesus knows how to show us how to live through problems, doesn't he? There's Pilate that's going to, out of political pressure, let Jesus die. And Jesus is trying to save his soul, talking to him about who he was and what he'd come to do for Pilate. And it's all, for Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. While he's hanging on the cross and dying with that terrible torture, that is walking in the way of love. And I remember pressing a, a fellow one time and counseling one to do this, walk in the way of love. You know what to do. And this is what he said. But I'm not Jesus. <laughs> well, of course we're not. That's why we're, it's a, a thing we do to focus on him, to get him back into our lives. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's nothing you can do like I do unless you, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and you come to me and you get it, right? So he's the power. He's the one. But we have to learn to devotionally see him not as a rule giver, just like even saying you got to love, but, but as a player coach. He's on the road with us. And if we come back on the road and we get in right behind him, we can follow him. But we can't do it on our own. So if you're recognizing right now that you've had a lot of distractions from your love life and walking in the way of love, then just 
tell Jesus, I, I got off track. I got distracted. I got off the road. But you paved the road with your own life. And I want to know your life again. I want to study your life. I want to understand how you can be, be that in my life. So here's the deal. His life on earth as a human being like you are is over. He gave himself 33 years. He did it perfectly. So if you fail, you still know you're saved. So we're going to fail. After I preach this, I'm going to fail. Usually it happens within 30 seconds that Mary and I are back home together. And I go, I can't believe I just preached about that. And I did it. Right? But it happens. That's what, what happens. But Jesus never failed. So, but he's the power and the forgiver and the power and the way back. You've always got a way back. Within 30 more seconds, you can be back on the path. Walk, because just as Christ forgave you, you can forgive others. Just as Christ lived his life in the way of love, you can live your way in the love. And it's your way back. So the, the commandment never changes. It's always your duty to walk in the way of love. But it's also always your blessing to have Jesus that carries you along and teaches you how and gives you the power to do it, see? Um, in Paul's little section here at the very beginning, he describes this love in three ways. You've heard me struggle to give some examples, but Paul actually gives us three, and it's so simple and powerful that often I'll use this first verse, it's, it's 4 verse 32, as a wedding text. Because it has three parts, and it's very clear. Be kind, part one. Go to the next slide, Connor. Be compassionate and forgive one another. When Paul wanted to break down love into three things, this is the three he gave us, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I just want to tell you real quickly how these words affect us and how they're different. This is like the, the stones that make up the pavement of love. Kindness. Words have meaning. So the, the original word for kindness, in English, this is an English word, kindness. The original word for kindness actually has the word usefulness. So if you could kind of hear a sergeant screaming at his private, make yourself useful, private. That's, that's kind of the, the, the idea of, of being busy about being kind enough to help someone. This, this is a Christian person saying to another person, how can I help you? I want to help, but I'm, I'm not even sure how, right? How can I help you? I want to do something to relieve your stress, your pain, or your problem, or help, help you find the solution. How can I help you? If you're walking in the way of love with anybody, even if it's someone who's hurt you, and you want to know what does that mean, it means do something kind for them. Now, for guys, this is cool because it gives us something we can do. We're always trying to fix it, right? This is what you do, guys. You just keep saying to her and anybody else, how can I help you? What would you like for me to do? You'll be a hero. It's that easy, and you should be, right? What can I do? Be kind. The second one is to, to be compassionate. And actually, the root word, actually, in the original language, would have communicated to their ears the thought of the torso and the organs that are there that feel differently when you feel emotional. So um, one, one commentator that I looked at, he said, it's living with guts. I know that picture is terrible, but it kind of makes you not forget. It makes it sticky. That this is, this is feeling 
living with feeling for others. And I'm going to tell you, because of the pain of living life, we have trained ourselves to harden our hearts and not to feel. Because it hurts to feel. And so we won't want to. And so we'll disregard needs in order to not feel it because we don't want to. And God comes in and he says, walk in the way of love. What does he say? Be compassionate. Have feelings for the person. So here's the question. The first question for kindness was, what can I do to help? What's the question for compassion? How does it feel to be you? If you knew somebody had 45 minutes and they were totally going to love you and unconditionally, and you trusted them and they asked you, how does it feel to be you? Wouldn't you enjoy telling them, this is how it feels to be me? So you could be understood and dealt with. You want that when you come to see one of us, like a pastor. And you want that if you go to see your doctor, too, because I go see doctors. I want it when I go to training, that exercise class, and want to get the trainer's attention like everybody else for a few minutes. I want her to understand, right? What, how does it feel to be you? And if we're not feeling that a person wants to do that, then we don't feel what? Loved. And so we're walking in the way of love. So we're going to ask people compassionately, how does it feel to be you? And learn to care about how they feel. So what can I do for you? How does it feel to be you? And then finally, every single human being all the way to the end of your life is going to let you down often. If you look for it, you can find it. And some of us are very trained at finding it. And, and we need to turn that off, right? We need to actually, in walking in the way of love, train ourselves to forgive instead of looking for the ways that they let us down. Because if you look for it, you'll find it, and you'll hold them accountable, and you'll be the judge and jury, and you'll be an extremely unhappy person, thinking all the while that you're just trying to tell people how right they need to be for you. And you're not forgiving. So Paul says, look, forgive each other just as Christ forgave you. And when you look at Jesus and how his disciples let him down royally and continually, isn't it amazing how he just kept coming back in unconditional love for them? And he calls you back to that path to love unconditionally. Peter had a big problem with that, and that was letting Christ down too when he did that. Remember when Peter came to Jesus and he said, how many times then, right? Can my brother sin against me and say, I'm sorry? And Jesus said, you're off the path. You're not even on the path of love. He says, 70 times 7, as often as that. This is life, Peter. Walk, it's your purpose. Walk in the way of love. I can remember one time when we had a school here, one of my young boys was in a class, you know, one of the classes with one of the teachers, and he, he was complaining about the way the teacher handled him and another student in the class. And he said, and she said this, and she did this, and, you know, this is my colleague, my coworker, the teacher, my child. And, you know, you can feel your emotions kind of getting out of sorts. You're getting knocked off the path. You don't know really which, which way to go. And I thought, oh, it's, this is about forgiveness. This, we got to forgive. We all got to forgive. We got to live in love. So he's going on and on and on. Once he finished, I said, I know what I'm going to do. I am the big boss at church. I'm stopping my vehicle right here. I'm turning around, going back to church. I'm going to march in there and give her a piece of my mind. He goes, no, Dad, wait, wait. And I said, well, maybe there's another way. Maybe you could forgive her. What if you forgave her for having a bad day? And I'll forgive her too. He goes, I like that better. He thought I was about to really wreck his world, you know. 
So walk in the way of love means to forgive each other. Right? That's the picture. Let me, let me explain to you how powerful this makes you in life. The burdens of hurt and the burdens of problems are like this huge heavy backpack with a lot of bricks in it. You're carrying it around, right? What The bricks that are in there that are the heaviest are the guilt you know about in your life where you're not acting lovingly even when you're being hurt by another person. You think it's their hurt against you that hurts you the most, but it's really deep down when you know you're having your own pity party and you're not dealing with it well. In fact, even while I'm preaching about this walk in the way of love, that might be heaping up guilt in your backpack, right? And so that's the big... When you know that Christ has forgiven you, you can, you can honor him by learning to admit, I am selfish, I am being selfish, and I'm sorry, and I want to walk in the way of love. And then when you start walking in the way of love, you live with a clean conscience. And a clean conscience is powerful. It impacts other people, it rescues you from being a waste in your life in relationships, and it empowers you to have an impact and, and, and help other people grow, and it gives you an understanding by experience that this stuff really works. Because it's the main idea, right? You get rid of your conscience. So get rid of that guilt in your conscience. So the, the big idea is that this is the entire restoration plan for humanity. The restoration plan is that he would restore us to the Father through love. He would be the model that we could watch. And he would be here for every human being to give them grace, to forgive them, and the power to get back on track any moment in their life. And then what happens is our whole, when we look back over our past, it's not all just failures, but there's a ton of love successes that we can remember, which give us confidence and peace. And I want you to have that. I want you to have that confidence and peace. Yeah, I might have messed up, but I found my way back. God found me back. He got me back. And I walked in the way of love. And I remember saying the loving thing, right? I also want you in the middle of a place where you're being criticized and it's so debilitating to keep you whole as a person and not affected by what other people think or say because they're criticizing you because they don't get, you're just, if you know you're, the truth is you're walking in the way of love, then you're impervious in the center part of your being from that criticism. We've had some winter visitors. A lot of people can go half the, their year down in the south where it's warm in the winter and half their year up north when it's cool in the summer. One winter visitor we've had is Roger. Roger's in his 80s now. He and his wife used to come here several Sundays a year in the wintertime because they had a a house out at uh, Horseshoe Bay. His wife, um, Carol, she passed away from cancer and went to glory about, I'd say, eight years ago. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pausing because I want to tell you an aside real quick. Carol, when I went to see them, I got to be up there for some church business and went over to their house. I think Mary was along and we went to see them. She showed us, and he's sitting right there in the room, Roger is. Carol showed us her, like, her diary while she was sick unto death. And there's this one entry 
marriage is overrated. <laughs> He's her caregiver, and she's not real happy, and she wrote that. He just laughed about it, right? So even then, right, it's hard. Life is going to walk in the way of love. So at her funeral, I went and preached a sermon there at her funeral at the graveside. Roger was a vice president of a financial company called Thrivent in, in their, their uh, accounting. So had a big responsibility, a lot of people working for him at that time. He's in retirement when she passed. And uh, these moments you get as a Christian and as a pastor are just priceless. So we're leaving the graveside, and everybody's starting to get back in their cars. And Roger's a leadership trainer. He's, done, he's gone to leadership conferences, and he trains, and he, he adopts pastors to try to train them in leadership. So he's always teaching. So he's teaching me at his wife's graveside, and we're getting into the, our cars. And he walks over to me, and he says, you see that distinguished-looking gentleman over there? Just whispers to me. I said, yeah. He said, I had to fire him. It was about 15 years ago. And he goes, he's my friend, and he's here, and, and he loves us. And he said, but I had to let him go. He said, but I did it with respect and love for him as a person. And he said, so I don't have any regrets, and I know I did the right thing. And he doesn't have any of the pain of me being a bully to him. And he goes, I, he goes when, and he, he looked me in the eye. He goes, when you, when you act out of love in the way that you lead, he said, you don't have to look over your shoulder so much. Because he, he can look him in the eye. Because he walked in the way of love. Isn't that the coolest message you know when Jesus talked about you are the light of the world uh, Pastor Dan read that he was talking about not just witnessing for him as a message he was talking about being the light to show that his love is real and when you're in bumping into people in relationships and it feels like you're the victim actually that's not being a victim that's being having an opportunity you're never the victim when you're a child of God through faith in Jesus. You are always on a mission, and he knows what's going to come your way. You're not a victim. Don't play the victim card. Instead, light a candle. Right? Light your candle. So what's going to happen here in a minute is uh, we're going to say the creed as a testimony of the objective gospel that we believe in. Then we're going to take the offering. And during the offering, that song that we printed in the bulletin, I made a change a couple days ago, and I, Jennifer has to forgive me because I sinned against her and didn't tell her that I made the change, so I made it in the, the folder. But she'll light her candle. We're going to have this uh, trio up there play and sing Light Your Candle in the World. We don't have the words printed for you. You can Google it later or get it on YouTube, but we've sang it here in church a few years ago. Go light your candle. But I want you to think about what you heard today. Go back in your life. Remember the one thing on Wednesday you're going to tell somebody? What was the sermon about? Walk in love. And to walk in love is to light a candle in whatever darkness you think you're living in. Just quit cursing the darkness and go light your candle. So I want you to think about that while the offering's being taken, while you listen to that. Okay? Amen.